Good morning, Morning Star. Um, this week, uh, Ross was involved in um, the courageous leadership imperative, right? And so in times past, he was able to travel to exotic places like uh, Los Angeles. Um, where else did you go to? Dallas, Dallas St. Louis. So he's gotten to go to these kind of neat places and see neat things, and and um, I'm uh, wanting to have a conversation with Ross about uh, uh, St. Louis. Your your show abandoned struck me this week, and they had an episode on St. Louis, which was just oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So um, so I he asked me a couple weeks ago, uh, uh, Kathy and I, because he was going on vacation last week, and then this week he knew that he was going to be super busy with this courageous leadership imperative, and so um, he asked us to preach in his place, and so here I am once again, and um, preaching from the gospel of weird, but I hope you guys uh, find the message that I found. But before we do that, join me in this pastoral prayer. Open our ears, O God that we might hear your word speaking to us in this moment. Open our ears, O oh God, that we might listen for your voice calling to us through scripture. Open our ears, O oh God, that we might understand your promise to followers both old and young, ancient and modern. Open our hearts, O oh God, that we might enter into the love you offer us. Lord, we offer these names up to you. And though we may not know what exactly is going on in these situations, we have faith in knowing that you do and that you will do what it is that you do. For Janice and Levi Crair, for Gail Dollarhide, Barb Burleson's brother-in-law, Rex, a woman named Tammy, a son named Daniel, for Roberta, for this community that we call Morning Star, for a man named Dave, for Steve Wong and his family, their heart breaks, Lord. Robert, who has lung cancer, For our country, for our new president, for all of us during this inauguration week. And Lord, be with us as we still struggle with this thing that we call COVID. If anything, Lord, may it make us better. That is our prayer. Amen. So, uh, we're kind of sort of a liturgical church. We follow this thing called the liturgy, which a group of theologians and uh, seminarians and, and uh, pastors and preachers and, you know, people who study religion get together and they take the Bible and they have divided it out over three years. And so there's years A, B, and C, and I think we are in year B. Am I correct? Yes, we're in year B. And um, 
over three years, you go through the whole entire Bible. And so it's each week it's divided into Old Testament, the Psalm, and New Testament. And I wasn't, um, uh, well, when push comes to sho shove, let me, let me revise that. When Randy comes to push you and shove you to give her the scripture uh, two weeks in advance, I was not feeling it for the New Testament, and I was not feeling it for the Psalm, but I was feeling it for the Old Testament. And so as I get ready, um, I'm in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, and as I get ready to go into that, I wanted to uh, pose this question. If a tree falls in the forest, does anyone hear it? Put a pin in that. Now the boy Samuel was serving the Lord under Eli. The Lord's word was rare at that time, and visions weren't widely known. One day Eli, whose eyes had grown so weak he was unable to see, was lying down in his room. God's lamp hadn't gone out yet, and Samuel was lying down in the Lord's temple where God's chest was. The Lord called to Samuel. I am here, he said. Samuel hurried to Eli and said, I am here. You called me. I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go lie down. So he did. Again, the Lord called Samuel. So Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, I am here. You called me. I didn't call you, my son, Eli replied. Go and lie down. Now Samuel didn't yet know the Lord, and the Lord's word hadn't yet come, hadn't yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up went to Eli and said, I am here, you called me. And then Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down where he'd been. Then the Lord came and stood there calling just as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel said, speak, your servant is listening. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. That was 30 seconds of silence, of nothing. Well, not exactly nothing. There was a countdown on the screen, and I assumed that, you were, that there were comments on Facebooks wondering why nothing was going on. But for the most part, there was 30 seconds of silence. It was awkward, I am sure, as psychologists say that it only takes four seconds of silence during a conversation 
during listening to a speaker for silence to get uncomfortable. Let me say that again. It only takes four seconds of silence for things to get uncomfortable. During those uncomfortable four seconds, plus 26 more, did any of us possibly hear God? Did we hear God in the last 11 days? The last 75 days since November 3rd? The last 310 days since March 13th? The last 1,458 days since January 20th, 2017? The last 4,380 days since January 20th, 2009. The last 19,812 days since I was born. Have any of us heard God? Have I heard God? If we have not heard God, we have most certainly cried out for him in 30 seconds, 11 days, 75 days, 310 days. O come, O come, Emmanuel, God be with us, rescue us, save us, if not from each other, then at least from ourselves. I chose from the liturgy to preach from the book for Samuel. Samuel, in this scripture, is an 11-year-old boy who is working under, or most accurately, apprenticed to Eli, the high priest of Shiloh to become at least a priest, if not a prophet. Samuel is asleep and hears his name called, and he goes to Eli thinking that it was him who had called him. Eli, who was sleeping each of the three times, says it is not him, and on the third time realizes that God is calling out to Samuel. Eli tells him if God calls out to him again, call out to God, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I ask each of us, are we listening? Is there a pandemic? We are listening. Uh, if there is a pandemic, are we listening? If there is chaos in society, are we listening? If there are false prophets who are we are listening to, are we listening for the voice of God? And as I ask those questions, I wonder if we know the difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is a passive act. If Ross had decided to play some Wu-Tang Clan before worship, I may be hearing the music played, but not listening to the lyrics sung. I hear the music, but do not necessarily listen to it and for the, wis and for the wisdom the music may contain. That may be because I don't appreciate rap music as much as Ross does. Listening requires to be active in listening. To listen means that you are actively not only hearing what is being sung, but you are paying attention and using your mind to understand what is being sung. Let me give you all an example, something a little bit more personal to me. When Seth was two, Sarah and I induced, introduced him to Lightning McQueen and the rest of the Cars movie clan. Seth immediately fell in love with the Cars movies, and so did Sarah and I. The animation is incredible, and the soundtrack is actually pretty good. As is the way with kids, we watched this movie a lot. A lot. 
At the same time that Seth is introduced to the Cars movie franchise, I'm introducing my son to rock and roll. I had made Seth a CD for our car rides of the music that he has been introduced to in different movies, but especially the music he heard in Cars. Now, if you don't remember, kids who are learning to talk are, mo are, are most times hard to understand. It took both Sarah and I together to decipher what it is that was coming out of Seth's mouth most times. There was just one phrase that Seth would say, most times just to me, and usually in the car, though on rare occasions inside the house. It was a three-word sentence. Maki, the hallway. Maki, the hallway, would come from the back seat. Maki, the hallway. I didn't understand what Seth was saying, and yet he would say it again and again. Maki, the hallway. Maki, the hallway. As days led into weeks, Seth's agitation began to grow. He was frustrated that I was not heeding his request or understanding what it was that he was saying. Maki, the hallway, as he would call out from the back seat. I let him know that I heard him. I let him know that I was listening to him, and I tried as hard as I could to let him know that I was trying to figure out what he was saying. He called out, Maki, the hallway, and I didn't understand what he was saying. I was hearing him, even listening, I would argue, but I just couldn't figure out what his request was. Then one day, we had just gotten into my truck, both of us settling in for the drive across town. Seth buckled in safe, a roadie of water for both of us, situated in our respective cup holders, both of us with sunglasses on, mine clips over eyeglass frames, his possibly yellow Batman frames with bat wings on the, on the, on the lenses, air conditioner set to cool us off and the radio set to our favorite radio station. Away we go. We are not a quarter mile from our house when Seth calls out, Maki the hallway. It's not the first time I've heard him say this. It's not the third or the fourth time, but this time, this 52nd time or 152nd time, I have heard him say this different. I hear it. I hear it different. I remember clear as day as we were getting ready to have this conversation of what does Maki the hallway mean, but I'm in a totally different space. I'm in a different space in my head, my heart, my soul, my ears, and my ears are hearing, listening to my, word, my son's words very differently. I have even pulled over and parked on the side of the road my whole body is engaged to listen into the words that I want to listen to come from my son's mouth. Having parked the truck, I turn around to face my son and I ask Seth to say it again. Maki the hallway, he says calmly. I ask him to say it one more time. He looks at me and he says again, Maki the hallway. And just to be sure that I fully understand his request, I ask him again, and smiling, he says, Maki the hallway, giggling as only a two-year-old can. Turning around, 
I switch the radio to the CD that I have made for Seth. I cue up the first song from the Cars movie soundtrack and the familiar strains of Tom Cochran's song as being covered by Rascal Flatts begin to play and I look in the rear view mirror to see Seth rocking his head back and forth, smiling big as he cries out, Maki the hallway, as Gary LaVox's lead singer of Rascal Flatts sings, life is a highway, I want to ride it all night long. Maki the hallway, life is a highway. So I asked you the question at the beginning of all this, if a tree falls in the forest, does anyone hear? If God calls out, does anyone hear it? We have opportunities to hear God, see Jesus, and feel the Holy Spirit when we use our gifts of senses that we were created with. Sight, hearing, smell, taste, touch, and sense of space. When we see a person on the side of the road with a tattered cardboard sign that reads, anything will help and anything is underlined. When the rotten egg smell of sulfur hits our nose from the yellow smoke bellowing out of smokestacks, pollutes our air, leaves a foul taste on our tongues and clogs our lungs. When our ears still ring from the bang of flash grenades we saw on TV days after others lost their voices screaming at the top of their lungs for those who are God's children and who are the least, and who are the least of us. When we do our best to fill the space between here and there, the best way we know how, whether it is sending an email or better yet, sending a card or making the time to call or even using Zoom so that we can be seen by those who miss us and everyone else more than we will ever know. When we take the time to pause our live lives for someone else's, to listen to what they have to say, to be, for their, to be there for them completely. And though right now we can't be there, there for them physically, maybe we can get better at lifting up their spirits and touching their hearts. When we can taste the lack of food in our mouths as much as the person who hasn't eaten because they lost their job to something far bigger than anyone could ever see. Each and every time we are confronted with these things, do we cry out, Speak, God, your servant is listening. We not only hear, but actually listen to God, see Jesus, and feel the Holy Spirit when we fully allow ourselves to see, smell, hear, sense the space between, touch and taste what is going on around us to take the time to love God with all our hearts and love our neighbors and enemies as much as we love ourselves. Doing any or all of this would be practicing resurrection. 
not only within each other, not only with each other, but with our creator, redeemer, and sustainer too. And that is what I think we are being called to do these last four seconds, 11 days, 75 days, 310 days, or 19,812 days. Practice resurrection with each other. Whether we, whether we think we need to or not, we are always to practice resurrection. To reach a handout. To pull up, literally or proverbially, practice resurrection. When we do that, we hear, we listen to God. Oh, come. Oh, come, Emmanuel. And ransom us captive amongst ourselves as we wrestle with our sisters and brothers. As we mourn and lonely exile here, hearing but not listening to each other, and more importantly, to you, until the Son of God appear. O oh, come, thou key of salvation, come, and open wide not only our heavenly home, but more importantly, our hearts too. Make safe the way that leads on high, and close the path to misery, and close the path to misery, and close the path to misery. But open our ears so that we may hear, that we may listen, and open our eyes so that we may see. O come. O come, Emmanuel. O come. We are trying to listen. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer.